you think we've been camped out in Proverbs forever. Uh, we actually, I mean, we could probably go until Thanksgiving with all the stuff that is, uh, that is there in, uh, in the book of Proverbs. Maybe over this time, uh, I've wet your whistle and, uh, and, and uh, I encourage you to keep digging through the book of Proverbs. Even just, you know, if you read one or two a day, uh, just to, uh, to, to remind yourself and, and to catch those, uh, uh, those nuggets of wisdom. And it's so practical that we can, uh, we can apply these things to our lives. And today, we're, we're uh, wading into the waters of family relationships. Solomon had a lot to say to parents and to children and to husbands and wives. And he even addresses the dangers of sexual sin. And navigating all of that can be tough. Family dynamics are not always easy. Maybe you've heard Winston Churchill's famous quote, We shall fight on the beaches, we shall fight on the landing grounds, we shall fight in the fields and in the streets, we shall fight in the hills. And after hearing that, someone said, sounds exactly like our last family vacation, right? Uh, Family dynamics are uh, are difficult. Uh, uh, Sometimes those relationships, a lot of times those family relationships are the closest that we have, but they can also be filled with dysfunction and pain and regret, and uh, they can be the source of our deepest joys, but also the source of our deepest hurts. And before we dive in today, uh, I I want to address what, what might be considered an elephant in the room. Maybe you're aware of it, maybe not. Maybe you're thinking it, maybe not. So I'll just, uh, we'll just jump right in there. King Solomon was not known as the best family guy in the world. Uh, he wrote most of Proverbs, as we've talked about, but some would say that he doesn't have a lot of credibility when it comes to giving us advice on family matters. Uh, the, the Bible says, maybe you're aware of this, the Bible says in 1 Kings that Solomon had, get ready, 700 wives and 300 concubines. If you want to look up what a concubine is later, go ahead. But uh, uh, a thousand women that, uh, that, that are wives or Second-hand wives, I guess. Uh, I guess he would know a thing or two about marital stress, right? I, I think we could probably say he has some, some credibility there. But, but I, I mean, it's, add to the fact, if, if, you, if you know anything or have read through uh, Kings, uh, Solomon died and his, his son Rehoboam took the throne. <sighs> Rehoboam kind of made some boneheaded mistakes. He didn't really follow in the, in the footsteps of his wise uh, King Solomon, his father, and, and uh, a lot of things uh, happened that, that he just made some mistakes and did not follow the wise way. And, and actually, his reign was known as wicked and evil. And, and, uh, and, and, and so, so some have asked, well, hey, Solomon probably doesn't have a whole lot of credibility. Why should we listen to this guy who doesn't have a great track record in the family uh, department? And so a few things there, and, and I think those are valid concerns, but, but I think there, we do need to recognize that there is a big difference between knowing what's wise and doing what's wise. And so it's possible that Solomon could indeed give us wise advice while still not following it, right? Uh, he, he gave some, some sage advice about marriage and parenting and, and sexual temptation, and it's, it's true and it's right. He just didn't follow all of it. Also, I, th- I think it's important to recognize that Solomon uh, did follow it for a while. It says that, that later on in life that Solomon drifted away from following God. Uh, 1 Kings eleven four says, as Solomon grew old, 
His wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. So Solomon drifted from his faith in his later years, but these principles that he wrote are are still true, whether he followed them all of his life or not. His life is actually proof that that some of the negative consequences that he talks about, that we'll get into here in just a minute, uh, some of those negative consequences actually happened to him. And uh, and so we see that he's, uh, he's an example of that these are true. Although King Solomon isn't the best example to to follow in his life, family matters, the the truths contained here in Proverbs can still be trusted. So uh, that that maybe opens that up a little bit or sheds a little bit of light. I I want us to, to cover several different areas today as we think about wisdom in our families. And the first is parenting. We, we just got some advice uh, there today. Uh, but whether you have kids at home or, or whether maybe you have grandkids or, or maybe you're planning for kids someday or wherever you, you, uh, you land, uh, there's some wisdom uh, in Proverbs for parents. And the first thing is parents, you need to follow God. The best and most influential thing a parent can do for their kids is to live a life in a close relationship with God. If I'm uh, living that life in close relationship with God, then it's going to rub off in, uh, in the, uh, the, to the, the people around me. There was a family, they, uh, the story of a family driving home from church one Sunday and little Johnny's in the back seat and just kind of weeping and crying and, and it's just getting worse and worse and they ask him what's wrong and, and he can't hardly even get the words out and, and finally he calms down. About the time they get home, he calms down. His mom says, what, what is wrong? And, and, uh, and little Johnny finally says, well, the pastor said that he wants us to be brought up in a Christian home, but I want to stay with you guys, he says. Uh, okay, maybe it hit a little too Close to, I don't know. Anyway, uh, Proverbs 15, says this, whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress and for their children, it will be a refuge. So if we fear the Lord, it will provide a refuge for our children. Proverbs 20, 20 verse seven, the righteous lead blameless lives. Blessed are their children after them. For two months now, we have uh, been studying uh, wise ways to live from the book of Proverbs. Uh, all of us benefit from, uh, from these principles, uh, from fearing the Lord, from developing a relationship with, with him. And as we do that, it influences those around us, especially in our families. And so if we think about parents, if the parents are, are going all out for God, it's going to make a difference in your kids. Moms, dads, grandmas, grandparents, uh, uh, grandmas, grandpas, uh, aunts, uncles, whoever, if you are pursuing Jesus with all of your heart, if you're doing your best each day to live a righteous life, if you are being wise, you will influence your kids and grandkids for God. And, and one, thing, one thing to note here is proximity is, uh, is a great teacher. Now, we've all been way too close together for way too long, right, with this whole coronavirus thing. But, but, but a lot of times, families are going in, in opposite directions, and there's a lot less opportunity to influence. We need to be, be uh, uh, intentional about influencing by spending time together, whether those are meals together or activities together. And as we do that, uh, our lives rub off on each other. We've got to be careful about the example that we're setting because we are setting an example. So with that as a foundation, uh, parents who are pursuing God also have a God-given responsibility, Proverbs says, that we are to train our children. There was a family who decided to move to the country. They bought a ranch and they had plans to raise cattle. 
And they, uh, they uh, had, had moved, and uh, about six months after they moved, uh, setting up the ranch and, and all sorts of things, uh, one, of their, one of their family friends came out to visit and see, see how they were settling in. And, and, and the friend uh, got there, and he said, well, what do you call the ranch? Everybody's got a name for their ranch. What do you call your ranch? And the, and the father of the family says, well, I wanted to call it the Flying W, and my wife wanted to, to name it the Suzy Q Ranch. He said, our oldest, he wanted to call it the Bar J, and the, uh, our youngest son wanted to call it the Lazy Y. And the friend said, well, what did you settle on? And he said, well, we call it the Flying W, Susie Q, Bar J, Lazy Y Ranch. And he said, okay, well, okay, um, but where are the cows? And they said, well, we don't have any. None of them survived the bending, he said. No. I mean, that's worth the price of admission right there, don't you? I mean, come on, come on. No, I'm just kidding. Family dynamics are hard, and everybody can't get what they want all the time. We've got to draw the line somewhere, right? And that's where what Proverbs tells us to do. We've got to draw those lines. We've got to teach and train and discipline our children. It's a God-given response. Maybe... maybe well-known proverb on this, along these lines is Proverbs 22.6. Uh, it says in the NIV, start children off in the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. King James Version, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And this has long been what we might be able to call a stumbling block verse for many people, mainly because because we take it as a promise from God, right? If we enforce the rules, if we make sure kids grow up in church and they know right from wrong and then we pray for them and, and we guide them in the early years and it sounds like that they are guaranteed to not abandon their faith later in life, right? Or, or if they do stray, they're coming back because it's a promise from God. Except it's not a promise from God, I, I, let me remind you that Proverbs is a book of wisdom literature offering principles to follow that aim us toward positive outcomes. It's not a book of promises, it's a book of principles. So Proverbs 22.6 is not promising that your children will never wander from the truth. They might. They have free choice and they could choose badly. They just have a lot better chance of following God if you teach them and train them to do so as they grow up. Uh, that's what's wise. Train up your child in the way they should go. Because if you don't train them up, they're, they're not going to follow the ways of God. Train them up in the way they should go. And the wise thing to, is to do that because they will continue to follow that most likely in the, in the days. It's not a promise. It's a principle. But, so we need to train them. What does that training look like? Uh, th- there's an assumed context here in, in the culture that, that you know, families were, were uh, together, multi-generational families uh, living together, usually under one roof. There's a lot of proximity happening. There were a lot of uh, relationships taking place. And, and so that's the context. But, but then uh, Proverbs uh, emphasizes to parents a, a whole lot of discipline within that context, making sure kids are not left to their own folly or foolishness. Just a few of the many verses about that. Proverbs 19.18 says, discipline your children for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to their death. 22.15, folly is bound up in the heart of a child but the rod of discipline will drive it far away. 29.17, discipline your children and they will give you peace. They will bring you the delights you desire. 13.24, whoever spares the rod hates their children but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. 
Author Philip Yancey uh, told once about a, an African safari that he was on uh, where he saw a, a mother giraffe had just recently given birth uh, and, uh, and, and her, her, uh, this, this young little uh, giraffe was, uh, was struggling a little bit, wobbled, get, ba- barely got up, and then this mother giraffe went over to it and just kicked it, knocked it down on the ground again. It, uh, they, they stood there and, you know, they sat and watched and uh, it happened again. It kind of barely got up and the mother just went over and knocked it right down again. Happened over and over and over again. And, and Philip Yancey uh, uh, talked to, uh, talked to the, the, their guide and, and, and he said, man, this is, this is cruel. What, what is it? What's wrong with this mother giraffe? What is going on? And, and, and the guide said, no, the only defense that a giraffe has is its ability to get up quickly and to outrun its predator. And if it can't do that, it's not going to last. It will, it will die. And sure enough, as they're watching, the, uh, the, the, the giraffe uh, knocked that baby down one more time, and it got up quicker than ever before and took off so mom couldn't kick it down again. Yancey said that while it looked like that was a cruel thing, kicking her baby was really the most loving thing that that mother giraffe could do. And he says sometimes discipline is the same way. Now, I'm not telling you to go kick your kids. Don't take that. Don't go, go home. And, and, and discipline looks a lot different from different cultures and different time periods. I get that. When Proverbs mentions the rod, it's not promoting child abuse. But children need guidance and discipline. Sometimes they will bump up against the boundaries of right and wrong, and they must experience consequences for that. We need to train them, or else they won't know. When they, when they do that, when they bump up against that, when they experience those consequences and they over, over time, they learn, usually, right? They, 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 they learn. It's, it's easier said than done, and, and, and you're not always going to get it right, and, and the results aren't always guaranteed, but it, it's the wise thing to do if we're going to raise children that are not foolish, but heading after God and good things, living wise lives. We're going to set discipline uh, in place. Early in his uh, ministry, a young pastor with small children preached a sermon and he, he entitled it, Ten Ways to Raise Good and Godly Children. Several years later, he, uh, uh, his children are, were just entering their teen years and, and that same pastor uh, dusted off that sermon and pulled it out again, but he changed the title this time to Ten Suggestions for Raising Good Kids. Several years later, as the kids were just uh, uh, ending their high school careers, uh, he, he dusted off that sermon once again and uh, changed the title one more time, and he called it Feeble Hints for Fellow Strugglers. I mean, parenting is not for the faint of heart. Uh, we get that. Uh, Proverbs gets that. But it's so important, right? Be wise and follow God with your whole heart. Pursue him with all you've got. That's going to rub off on your kids. And then guide them to grow toward him and, and to, to, uh, to uh, be disciplined in knowing right from wrong and choosing right. Uh, I think it's Pastor Andy Stanley who once said, Your greatest accomplishment may not be something you do, but someone you raise. Uh, what, a, what a great thought to, uh, to, to recognize and emphasize the importance of our God-given responsibility to raise up our children in the way that they should go. So, parents, uh, those, are, those are just a few things. Obviously, this isn't a parenting seminar, and we're not going to give you all the, uh, the bullet points of what to do in this situation or that, but these are some principles that 
that, that, uh, uh, that help guide how we can uh, see God work and move in our kids' lives. Now we need to talk to the, uh, the, the kids, and I know we sent most of them out, so you'll have to fill them in on this. Uh, basically, they need to listen, right? They need to listen and learn, doggone it. Well, Solomon tells them, uh, well, kind of that. Uh, one of my favorites uh, that, that Proverbs talks about, uh, Proverbs 12.1 says, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. And I think he said it with that attitude, too. Uh, there, there are a lot more uh, listening and obeying, honoring parents, following their instructions. Uh, Proverbs 13.1, a wise son heeds his father's instruction. 13.5, a fool spurns a parent's discipline. Whoever heeds correction shows prudence. 23.22, listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. Or when she's young, or maybe even middle-aged. We could probably put all that in there. Uh, 23, 24, and 25, the father of a righteous child has great joy. A man who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. May your father and mother rejoice. May she who gave you birth be joyful. So, uh, kids, teenagers, uh, as, as uh, you're growing up, the give you are their best attempt at helping you to grow up to be wise. So you need to listen to them. You need to do what they say. They're going to make mistakes, probably. Maybe not. Oh, your parents are probably perfect. Uh, you probably, yeah, no. Uh, listen to them and follow them anyway. Be open to how God is shaping you and shaping your life through their instruction and discipline. It's the wise way to live. Uh, don't be disrespectful or rebellious or obnoxious. That's foolish. It doesn't lead to anywhere good. Uh, Proverbs says we need to submit to our parents' leadership. Uh, they are probably aiming you in great directions, and so we need to take their direction. Uh, Proverbs says if you don't, it's stupid, right? That's, that's, I mean, I'm just quoting scripture. So, uh, parents, uh, love God with all your heart. Uh, guide, uh, your, guide and discipline your children. Kids, be open to that discipline because your parents have your best interest at heart. Uh, now let's talk to spouses. Uh, there's several things that, that uh, Solomon talk, says about spouses. I think we can summarize it in one line, uh, which just says, enjoy each other. Uh, enjoy each other. At first glance... Solomon has some pretty rough things to say about wives. Maybe understand so. Uh, Proverbs 19.13 says, A quarrel's wife is like constant dripping of a leaky roof. 21.9, Better to live on a corner than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. 21.19, Better to live than with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. There are like three or four more of those talking about a quarrelsome wife or he's saying uh, it appears that he's got some bad experience with his many wives i guess but before we condemn nagging wives and all guys go yeah it's, that's not what we're what we're doing here uh, it, it isn't about uh, uh the, the which gender is causing the problems in a marriage uh it's about the attitude here right uh the the culture of the day didn't treat women very well and, and solomon is is a man writing this and so he's slanted against the uh the the, the female gender uh but uh, but i think we're still being true to the text to say that husbands and wives neither one of us should be quarrelsome you could insert the word contentious or argumentative. In other words, we need to do our best to get along and not just pick fights with each other. 
I mean, and again, there's a lot to work out in a marriage and, and these are some, some overarching principles and we're not gonna get into the nitty gritty of but what about this situation and I don't know what to do here. But, but the, the principle is don't be a nagging, uh, quarrelsome spouse. I mean, I, I, marriage is difficult, right? Uh, I've heard uh, marriage described as It's when you agree to spend the rest of your life sleeping in a room that's too warm beside someone who's sleeping in a room that's too cold, right? We've got different perspectives and yet we're bringing those together and uniting them. Uh, I mean, that's commendable to go ahead and and, uh, uh, compromise in that, but, but don't be contentious about it. Don't pick fights, work things out. Living with someone with a bad attitude stinks. I think that's what those, those passages all say that Solomon's saying. Man, it's, 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 it's as nerve-wracking as a drippy faucet or a leaky roof. So he says, I think uh, Proverbs says, fix the drip. And I'm not referring to your husband there. That's not what I'm, that's not what I'm saying. Don't fix, uh, fix uh, be committed to uh, not being quarrelsome. Invest your time and effort in finding ways to seal up the leaks in your relationship before it rains again. I, I don't, uh, do your best to work things out to get along. One of those overarching principles of marriage. And in, in fact, Proverbs does tell us that we should enjoy marriage, that, that it's a good thing. Proverbs eighteen twenty two: he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Most of, of Proverbs 31 uh, touts the marriage of, or, or the, the, the merits of a wife of noble character. Uh, it's all about, it's that, that's the pr- passage that we always, that all the churches quote on, on Mother's Day, right? And all the mothers feel like they don't measure up to it, right? Uh, but but it's, it's all about this, this uh, uh, woman who, uh, who needs to be uh, honored and, uh, and, and uplifted and, and blessed and praised. And, and, and so uh, the, the, the goal is to, to uh, be that kind of spouse. Proverbs chapter 5 even gets a little racy. Uh, this is the PG-13 version, so uh, uh, if, if you're not 13 yet, cover your ears. But uh, I'm just quoting scripture, 5, 18, and 19. May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always. May you be ever intoxicated with her love. Again, that's speaking from the male perspective, but I think you get the point. Enjoy each other. Proverbs doesn't have a lot to say specifically on the, okay, this is what you do here and this is what you do there. But, but if each spouse is following the, the, the principle, of course, we've, we've spent eight, eight weeks already talking about all these, if we're, if we're following these wise things, if we're, if we're not getting angry, but we're working things out, if we're, if we're following God with all of our heart, if we're trusting him and, and following his, if we're applying all of these principles to our lives then uh, we're becoming more wise and righteous and it will do wonders for your relationship in your marriage. And one thing that Solomon does spend a lot of time on, which, which affects uh, marriages or preparation for marriage, uh, and that is avoiding sexual sin. And so we, we can't just skirt around that issue. Most of chapters 5, 6, and 7 deal with that. We don't have time to uh, read it all, uh, but... Just a sampling, uh, first from chapter 5, beginning in verse 3. The lips of the adulterous woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil, but in the end she's bitter as gall and sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps lead straight to the grave, she gives no thought to the way of life, Uh, her paths wander aimlessly, but she does not know it. Uh, Verse 20 uh, in chapter 5, why my son be intoxicated with another man's wife? 
Why embrace the bosom of a wayward woman? For your ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines your path. Chapter 6, verse 25, do not lust in your heart after her beauty, or let her captivate you with her eyes. 32, a man who commits adultery has no sense. Whoever does so destroys himself. It appears that sexual temptation was quite an issue in Solomon's day. I don't think it's gotten better over time. Uh, I mean, Solomon didn't even have Netflix or the internet. Uh, and, uh, and, and yet it's, it's quite an issue here. And, and I'm sure that if, if, if Proverbs was written today, uh, it would have addressed these issues of adultery and, and, and those types of things, but also would have specifically addressed the issue of pornography. Uh, it's, it's prolific and it's, it's, it seems to only be getting worse. The statistics that I see uh, day after day, year after year, uh, things that used to be hidden inside the pages of a paper magazine are now joked about uh, on family sitcoms. Uh, access to porno- pornographic material seems to be getting easier and easier. And unfortunately, the statistics say that the percentage of people who participate uh, or, or uh, consume pornography, uh, the statistics of those folks uh, within the church are virtually identical to the statistics of percentage of those outside of the church. Sexual relationships are intended within the context of a committed marriage relationship between a husband and a wife. It's impossible to have a committed relationship with an image on a screen. Getting our sexual desires met in that way diminishes the depth of love and respect that God has designed for marriage. And, and we begin to see uh, people as objects. And, and uh, we get our desires met uh, by these screens in, uh, instead, of, uh, instead of recognizing people as, uh, as created in the image of God. And we, we turn our backs on the deep relationships that we could have, and, and it instead it, it changes our out, outlook on these relationships and just keeps them, keeps them uh, shallow. Sexual temptation, uh, in, in no matter what it, it uh, plays out as, is, is deceptively, it looks great, it's, uh, but, it, but that's deceptive. In reality, it's not worth it. We read in Proverbs 5, 3, uh, that the lips of an adulterous woman look sweet. They're dripping with honey, uh, that, that her words seem smooth as oil. But then verse 4 says, you know what, it's not sweet, it's bitter as gall. Uh, you know, it is, it's not smooth, it's, it's sharp as a two-edged sword. The forbidden sexual experience uh, sounds fun and enticing, but Proverbs 9 and 10 talk about the disgrace that comes, the loss of dignity, the loss of wealth, the misery that awaits. And several places within these passages uh, talks about the final reality that, uh, that, that happens, the results that happen uh, when sexual sin plays out, and, and they describe that as pain and ultimately death. Sexual sin destroys lives. Marriages, families, careers, all thrown away for a few moments of pleasure. So Proverbs says, in essence, if we're going to boil it all down, don't dabble. In chapter 7, uh, there's, there's quite a lengthy description about a, uh, a simple or a foolish young man who's, who's hanging out uh, right, right near the, uh, the, the enticement of a, of a tempting woman. If, if you read that, uh, you, you'll see that she kind of pulls out all the stops in order to draw this young man uh, in by her persuasive words. And, and after describing that whole scene, Solomon gives this instruction in verse 25. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. 
In chapter 5, he says it this way, keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Sexual temptation, Proverbs says, is nothing to be trifled with. So the wisest thing to do is to not go near it. We have to ask ourselves, well, what, what safeguards have I put in place uh, to guard against the pull of sexual sin in my life? Uh, do, I have, uh, do, do you have filters on, on your computers and devices? Do, do, does your spouse know your passwords? Uh, do, do you uh, have someone that you're accountable to in this area who has permission to ask you hard questions? Uh, are you careful not to put yourself in compromising situations? Uh, what are you doing to intentionally not go near the door of her house or stray from her paths or his? This is, again, this is written by a man uh, uh, instructing men, uh, but we can see it, uh, it, it applies to both genders. In addition to uh, intentionally avoiding tempting situations, Solomon says that pursuing the wisdom he's laying out is actually a huge safeguard. If, if we're pursuing God with all we've got, then uh, the, these temptations will, uh, will, will, will get less and less. Uh, 7, 1 through 5, he says, My son... Keep my words and store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister and to insight, you are my relative. They will keep you from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman and her seductive words. So basically he's saying, you know, uh, all of Proverbs, I wrote this book, Proverbs 31 chapters here. Do this stuff. And, uh, and it'll keep you away from uh, the adulterous woman or the, uh, the, the, these uh, tempting situations. Uh, if, so if you find yourself struggling in, in, in those areas, uh, Proverbs says fight against it. Uh, sexual sin can cause so much damage. So, so we need to, need to do things like pray about it, right? We need to seek wise counsel and, and accountability. We can't hide it. Uh, as with any sin, we can't hide it, but it's got to come to light. And when it comes to light, it can be dealt with. Uh, we need to set up safeguards that, that will keep us away from those opportunities. Well, that's, that's a whole lot of stuff. It turns out that Proverbs has a lot to say about family relationships, right? Uh, he, he says we need to love God, especially parents. Love God with all you've got. Pursue him in everything. Live wise lives, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to rub off. He says, parents, we need to discipline our children. We've, we've got a, a, godly, a God-given responsibility to do that. Uh, kids, it says, uh, listen to and learn from, our, from your parents. He tells spouses to enjoy each other. Don't be quarrelsome and fight, but enjoy each other. And, and then he, he says, guard against sexual sin. Uh, all of those things, again, are, are kind of these bigger principles that, that are kind of overarching our family relationships. There's, there's a whole lot of details in how all that plays out. But we need to know these principles and live by them and then, then do what it takes to, uh, to get there. As I've said multiple times, Proverbs is this practical book. And maybe it seems like when we go through sermons like this, well, we just got tips and pointers and all that. It doesn't feel all that spiritual. It's... If, if, if our spiritual lives are not practical, if, if we don't have these, these practical handles on it, then it's very difficult to live out. And so I think sometimes we've got to spend our time in books like Proverbs to say, wow, this is, this is stuff where the rubber meets the road. Tomorrow I can do this because, God, because it will get me where God wants me to go. Will you stand with me?
Let's pray as we prepare to go out and live, live this out in our families this week. Father God, I pray for these, your people. I pray that we can be wise in what we do and how we live, even within the confines of our family relationships. Lord, for, for so, there's so many different family dynamics uh, uh, represented just right here in this room. Uh, so many uh, different uh, setups, and, and, uh, and yet you desire us to honor you and to, to please you in our relationships with each other especially in our homes. I pray that you'll guide us to make the wise choices day in and day out that will lead to wise outcomes. I pray that you'll help us to put the practical steps in place to keep us away from foolishness and to help us to grow more like you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word and how it applies to our lives. And I pray that as you go with us this week that you will guide us in ways where we can love people to life, to that abundant life with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.